Kansas State Treasurer Len Rogers is settling into his new job. He was appointed by Governor Laura Kelly. The former Lieutenant Governor is now the state's money guy. At least three of his predecessors have gone on to serve in Congress, so who knows about the future there. Mr. Rogers is with the Kansas Reflector podcast to examine the unusual package of duties and objectives of the state treasurer. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Glad to be here. Thanks for taking the time out of your day. You bet. So are you getting used to your new job title? You've had a couple others in politics before that, so... Uh, yes, it's uh, this is my thirtieth day, and uh, so I'm I'm getting to know the the, the system and uh, the office. Uh, still, sometimes hard to remember state treasurer over lieutenant governor, but uh, uh, but it's coming along pretty well. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're appointed, as I said, by Governor Laura Kelly. Do you have any interest in running for this position in a couple of years? Um, I told the governor up front I was. I, I really like this job. Uh, you know, as a banker for 40 years, it's very natural. Uh, some of the terms are, you know, have, are a little rusty, so I'm bringing some of those back. But, uh, but it's just a really natural fit for me. And uh, this is a job, I don't see it as a stepping stone for, you know, Congress. I do not want to uh, do that or plan to do that like my predecessors. Uh, it really is to serve Kansans. And so I, I really see that there's a lot of things we can do with this office to to help the ordinary Kansan. So I would love to be able to do it beyond just the the, the two-year interim. Being the incumbent, I guess, is, is would be an advantage. It can be. Um, you know, I think it's one of the things I'm going to have to prove myself to uh, the to the state that not only can I do the job, but I can also, you know, earn their trust. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've been in uh, uh, public service since 2001 when I uh, joined the Wichita School Board. Um, you know, that was kind of the extent of what I wanted to do with my political career. It was never something beyond that. Uh, we had a state senator then that didn't want to talk to us about education, and so that's why I ran for the Senate and, and uh, felt like we needed to fix that. And so we were, I was glad we were able to do that. But, um, you know, these are really, uh, I, I take these, both Lieutenant Governor and, and State Treasurer, these are a great honor. Wake up in the morning to say, okay, how can I serve my fellow Kansan? Mm-hmm. Before we step into some of the more day-to-day responsibilities you had, some of the Republicans in Kansas were not pleased that the governor replaced Jake LaTurner, who was a Republican and went on to Congress, uh, replaced that Republican with a Democrat yourself. And uh, so what's your sense of that? Well, um, you know, I think the first question on this or anything else is, you know, is the person competent to to fill the position? Um, Many of those that criticize the governor also called me personally and congratulated me for this and that I was well qualified. So, so you know, it's the public-private uh, behavior that, uh, you know, I think a lot of Kansans get tired of and doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, it just sounds like a little bit of the uh, petty politics that goes on in the state house sometimes. Yeah. And, and I'd be hard-pressed to imagine a Republican governor reaching into the hat and, and pulling out a Democrat to replace a statewide office holder. Just not realistic. No, and, and I think it's important that... Um, you know, one, that they're competent Two, you know, can they, uh, you know, serve the public? And, and I, I really look at it as, you know, we may run as Republicans, we may run as Democrats, but when we get here in January, whether we're a legislator, the governor, state treasurer, we're Kansans, and we need to do what's best for Kansas first before we, we think about what's best for our party. Mm-hmm. Well, some people may not be that familiar with you. You mentioned that you were on the Wichita School Board for a number of years. And then you were elected to the Kansas Senate prior to to running with Laura Kelly as lieutenant governor. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a I'm a husband, a dad of three, grandfather to three other, you know, great uh, looking kids, and 
Um, I was a banker for you know 40 years. Right out of college, I started working at a, as a teller and, and moved my way up. Um, we lived in Chicago. I worked for Citibank as a, as a sales coordinator and then came to uh, the farm credit system in Wichita back in the, the mid-80s. We've been here for over 35 years and, and uh, really loved to be able to serve Kansans, agriculture, farmers, ranchers, their cooperatives. I traveled uh, all over Kansas to uh, help small farmers, businessmen, put together operations to improve uh, profitability, to help them grow their business, keep their families and expand their family, you know, the sons and daughters onto the farm. Um, So, you know, I, I've done this for forever and, uh, and that's just a big part of me. We're, my wife and I are very involved in our Wichita community, our neighborhood Riverside is, it's a great place to live. Um, and you know, I commute, uh, to come to, to do this during the week and then go home on the weekends. Um, and, uh, just, I'm really proud to call myself a Kansan. I grew up in a, on a farm in Nebraska, but, uh, but we've been here longer than anywhere else. And it's provided us a great, uh, livelihood, a great lifestyle. Um, and so I just want to be able to give back to Kansans. So, okay. Back to the state treasurer's job. One of the huge things that maybe interacts with individuals in the state more than others is uh, uh, this unclaimed property fund. I think it's millions of dollars that gets left in safety deposit boxes or in bank yeah. accounts, what have you, uh, that that kind of you become the repository of it and the, the quest is to try to find the owners. Right. Um, you know, the, the, there's millions of dollars uh, turned over to the state every year because uh, an account goes, uh, account owner goes missing in the sense that mail gets returned. Um, there's been no deposits, withdrawals, those types of things. Everything from, you know, bank accounts, from financial institutions to stocks, uh, as you mentioned, uh, savings, uh, 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 safe deposit boxes, um, just a little bit of everything. And, uh, and we have a, I have a staff of, of about 10 that uh, our job is to find the owner, uh, to return that to them uh, as fast as we can. Some, some of these claims go back a long ways. There's, uh, again, like you said, literally millions. I think 24, 25 million is what we returned last year. We're on track to do that again this year. Um, that's stunning. It, it, it is. And, and, and many people are just shocked that they, they have it. I, I think that's, what's been interesting. I've spent, uh, actually, uh, Monday, I, uh, looked up all the legislators and found 40 of the legislators that had unclaimed property. Are you kidding? No, it totaled about $8,000. And, um, one of them that I gave They're it supposed to, to be good with money too. Right? <laughs> well, you know, one of them said, uh, no, I checked that all the time and I handed her the form and it was almost $4,000. So, you know, half of it wow. was one person's Incredible. and, uh, and, and I, and again, it was Republican and Democrat alike. It did not matter. Um, some we found were the, the, their kids and, and, uh, and, and again, really surprised. And, and so we encourage everybody to go to, um, you know, kansascash.ks.gov, G-O-V, uh, kansascash.ks.gov. They can put their name in, uh, they can put their neighbor's name in, they can put their family's name and see if they, uh, uh, have a, have something there. And I'm, uh, it's actually a little addicting for me. Um, I have, I got access. I was, I think the first treasurer in, in four or five treasures that actually got into the computer system to start looking up names myself. And I've, I've located money for, you know, school districts, for cities, for, mm. for counties. Um, you know, there's, there's funds for all kinds of people. And, 
And again, our staff does everything they can to find them. Uh, sometimes the address is just a little funky, which is why it got returned in the first place. But, uh, but we want to return it because it's really the money of Kansans, not Kansas. And so it's, it's uh, really one of my big jobs to make sure that get, gets done. I'm curious if, if I, for example, looked up uh, my father's name, okay, and my father's now deceased, but he's owed a thousand bucks. Is there a mechanism for yeah. for uh, descendants to? Yes, claim you that? you can uh, you you reply uh, through the website and tell them that you're an heir, um, and then they'll they'll our staff. That's what they do. Many of them are working from home right now and and still continuing to do their their job. Um, they'll email you. Um, sometimes they'll ask for a death certificate. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll ask for you to sign a certificate that says you're an heir. Sometimes it depends on the, the amount of money. I mean, we recently came across uh, about 5,500 shares of Apple stock for about $750,000. Um, it was uh, not put in the family trust uh, for some reason. Uh, the two children were in their 70s um, and somehow you know, they didn't know about it. And so, you know, it was really a life-changing difference, but it, it was the staff, uh, this was That's prior amazing. to my coming. Oh, on, really? Was it but, before? Yeah, but they, uh, that was probably the biggest one, but but there's a lot of examples hmm. where it, it, they're life-changing for some of That's like winning the lottery. It is, it is. is so. The money's not taxed, would it? Um, well, it, that's one of the things that happens is we check first uh, when when it comes to us if the the uh, the original owner owed tax to the state. Mm-hmm. We we make sure that we take that okay. out for the state, and then if the claimant owes tax, they they pay that as well. Um, in that kind of a case, or many of them, it's it's going to there may be some estate taxes. Um, that sometimes is what gets the most difficult is is if the estates have been settled, they've got to reopen some things and put some trust m- numbers together and all. And of if it. it's fifteen dollars, sometimes people just don't bother. Right, it's not is worth there any it. S- statute of limitations on your you're holding the money no we have claims that i when i looked at the system that go back to the 70s so okay. um, and it's just in some reason we just haven't been able to find the owner you know previous treasurers have done live events um we're not able to do that right now with covid but we're trying to think about what we can State do for fair they, they go yeah. to, go to where the people are right exactly and pitch pitch the uh, unclaimed property right so we're trying to go to you know community groups uh you know i'll speak to somebody's zoom uh call for their neighborhood book club if they want to do that and mm-hmm. and you know we'll have staff on on standby that can look those up and and see if somebody uh has money another element of the office is a learning quest 529 i think it is college savings program right you right. administer that yeah we have almost uh we're real close to the nine billion dollar mark uh we work with an outside firm that does the investing for each individual account you go online and, and sign up with them um, you, you each uh, parent or grandparent can put up to three thousand dollars per person or six thousand per couple you get a state uh income tax deduction from Kansas. Um, but we have accounts from all over the country. Uh, many states don't have that benefit, but they like the, the way that we manage it. We've, over the years, have tried to reduce the fees. We're going to continue to look at that. Um, and you don't have to spend it at a Kansas college. No, it can actually be done at any, any okay. you know, higher ed. And one of the, the bright spots that happened in December was the, the uh, program was expanded by Congress uh, to not only be four, two-year and four-year schools, but um, apprenticeships through unions, um, co- uh, community colleges, uh, uh, all kinds of, of work uh, education type programs. So, um, so it's actually expanded a little bit and you can actually start them for your nieces or your nephews. Uh, there's, it's a great thing. There's no prohibition on using the money at private institution, private college. You you do private or, or it's basically tuition and fees. And again, you 
control when you want that payment to be made and, and, and to who it would be made to. Um, you know, that's, again, something between you and, and the IRS, actually, that it's eligible. There's another savings program, I believe, it applies to people with disabilities? Right. It's called the ABLE accounts. It's for folks uh, that have a disability. Um, it has to be used for their care, but um, it doesn't count against their uh, state benefits if they're on, on Medicaid or, or something of that nature. Um, and it really, one of the nice things is it, normally those uh, individuals can only have about $2,000 in, in assets in order to, to qualify, uh, but they have extra expenses. You know, they can't get a home or they can't get a, an apartment even on their own uh, without some additional uh, funding. And so these ABLE accounts, again, let people put money aside uh, to, to use it for that disabled individual. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is that to qualify for some of the government programs, you basically got to be impoverished, right? And uh, and so, as and, a consequence, it's difficult for people to save that little bit of money, that ten dollars a month or whatever. And this yeah. would be an account mechanism for which they could do that, right? And I think it allows parents to kind of help uh, a disabled child prepare for uh, the point when when they are gone or not able to take care of them, that they've got some assets. Um, you know, there's an administrator, a, a trustee that can help them. You know, in that regard. Yeah, so, good point. Yeah, I think you waded into the state house. Uh, to testify on a Senate bill uh, that related to the economic recovery from COVID. If you could explain that, please. Sure. Um, we actually run uh, two programs. They're called linked deposits. Um, we take idle money uh, that the state is investing at a very low rate. Right now it's like 13 basis points or 0.13%. Um, and uh, these programs, one is for agricultural. It's called an ag-linked prog- program. Banks and farm credit can can loan that money and, and put a couple, two to three percent spread on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with the housing program. Uh, this one's an economic recovery where it would be offered through credit unions, banks, or um, uh, farm credit. Uh, they could put up to, th- uh, again, borrow it at 25 basis points. So the state doubles what we're making on that money. Uh, it's all guaranteed deposits. Uh, there's no credit risk to the state of Kansas for that loan. The loan is made by a local financial institution uh, for a business at, at the maximum of three and a quarter percent, or at least that's the current conditions. And market conditions would probably be in the five to six percent range. So the business would receive uh, a pretty good uh, savings, um, and, it, and they're, they're limited to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So there's and uh, we one of the things we did on our testimony was the bill was not written so that it limited it to just Kansans or Kansas businesses, and so we made sure that that got added. We also wanted to make sure that uh, everyone got to do it. So, you know, farm credit and credit unions and banks, uh, and also that we'd have a review process in a couple years because we feel like um, if it is economic recovery, it shouldn't be going on forever. Um, now, the loans are 10 years, so they could be a 10-year loan made today that wouldn't pay out for 10 years, but uh, we would end up with, um, you know, you know, seeing in two years, do we need more? Do we need less? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's a limit to how much we can we can do on idle funds. Um, but these three programs would would continue to to do that, um, and it it gets money back uh, to you know Main Street to small towns and and businesses along those lines. So, so mm-hmm. our amendments were very well received and and put onto the bill, and then it passed the Senate this week. Yeah, and I, I would think that's I think it's an idea that surfaced previously, uh, and and so there's probably yes. some good traction for it in the Republican-led legislature. Yeah, it did pass last year, but it passed without the limitations. It could have been used for you know foreign 
companies. And so, yeah, I don't um, think that's quite the idea. Yeah. You, you mentioned idle funds and I, I just want people to understand where this money's come from. We're not taking from the education budget here or something. No. It's idle funds in the state treasurer's office. And, and that money constitutes what? Um, that would be any revenues that we get from uh, any source, sales tax, income tax, property tax. Um, that goes into what's called the pooled money investment board, which I'm a, a member of that board. Their job is to invest it uh, until the state needs it for schools or or roads or, or whatever. Um, and then the interest on those loans uh, go back into the state general fund until they're ready to be used for payroll or, or whatnot. Um, sort of like ex a very large state government bank account. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's partly what the, the treasurer's office does is we work with the PMIB. We actually, we have a staff that go into every bank account of the state you know, almost every day to check the balances, make sure it gets moved into the main account, make sure that there's some accountability looking over the shoulder of state agencies and all. You know, I know you're a state senator and school board member, so you probably have some interest in other legislation uh, filtering yeah. through the Capitol. I think there's another bill that would allow, um, if I can frame this the right way, so individual, the money that might be spent on my child's public education will be set aside into account and at myself as a parent could perhaps use that money uh, to to send my kid to a private institution or alternative education so uh, it, maybe explain right. the bill and, um, and and what's your what's your sense of that well yeah 2919 I believe the uh, hearings next week um, it would uh, right now state money goes to about 285 school districts you know based on their student population and the and the funding formula this would uh, allow the tr state treasurer to open a checking account for each child who's eligible. And right now it's anyone um, that has free and reduced lunch, uh, that has uh, uh, they've been to virtual school, uh, literally almost every uh, student would be eligible. And it would also include those that go to private schools, accredited, non-accredited, including home schools. So, um, so that will be a big hunk of change that would make them uh, worthwhile. So right now, the base aid would come to us as a checking account. We would put it in, in, a, in some kind of an account of some kind. And then as the parent uh, decided how they wanted to spend that, there's a list of eight or nine different things, including tuition and fees and, and tutoring. Um, we would pay that out. So literally what they're asking the state treasurer to do is to create a bank with 400, up to 450,000 uh, accounts, maybe even up to 500,000, because I think there's, when you include private schools, there's almost 500,000 kids in the state. Um, and, you know, we look at that as just the administrative cost. Uh, I mean, one, we don't have the staff to do that. It would take 10 to 12 to maybe 20 people to operate that. Um, you know, a, a commercial bank to operate a checking account probably costs between two and four hundred dollars a year per account. Um, and so, if we bid that out, it was gonna it would cost us anywhere from three to five dollars a month at a minimum. Some of the money we can take off the top to pay the fees, but it wouldn't cover the whole cost. And that also means that's money that's not going to education; it's going to administrative costs. Um, you know, the there's some real funky things about the bill. The school district has to tell the parent that their child is eligible, but nobody is obligated to tell the state treasurer that that child is eligible. So if a parent applies, they have to fill out a form. Um, it's all by paper. There's nothing that says we can do that electronically. Um, it expires you know, at the end of the year, so we have to go back and redo that. 
the, the workload is is horrendous, uh, and it's not. It sounds very well much like a proposal, and this is just another incarnation of a proposal <laughs> to have vouchers, education vouchers. It's, yeah, it's very and similar. The opponents of K twelve public education funding yeah. always want tax dollars yeah. to send their kids to private schools, for example. Yeah, and this is just another avenue for that. But it seems administratively chaotic. Well, it is because again, they say uh, tuition and fees, and if and, and under the uh, 529 account, if it says fees, we have to pay that bill. And so, you know, if it's a fee for, for instance, they, they want to have a fee for uh, monthly birthday parties. If they call it a fee, we'd have to pay it. Um, there's, <laughs> <Why>? there's, <laughs> there's a requirement for certified tutors. Well, we don't have certified tutors in this state. There's no program that certifies them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're not supposed to send money to the parent of the homeschooler, but that's where money goes for homeschools is to, you know, is to the parents. So, yeah. so there's a potential for a lot of, of of problems and, and abuse and um, and I know it's it's the first uh, round but we're, yeah so maybe the idea is just not ready for prime time right I you yeah. know I I think it's going to be extremely difficult to manage um, whether it's the state treasurer or any other agency to do that type of thing mm-hmm. so there's another bill I think perhaps House Bill 2051 if I have the number right and this would re- deals directly with uh, how you were uh, appointed by Governor Kelly uh, it would remove from from the governor, uh, the the responsibility or the pleasure of appointing replacements to statewide office holders. Uh-huh. We did not testify on that, but I would think you know. To me, the question of any legislator for that legislation is: first of all, um, is it more important that we appoint someone that's competent or someone that's partisan? Mm-hmm. I think that's really the issue. You know, from that standpoint, uh, what was interesting is I did listen to that testimony, and and one of the uh, proponents for that bill, who's a statewide. Uh, member of the, the GOP leadership, I looked him up on unclaimed property and found some money for his family. So uh, um, he said he hadn't had a uh, treasurer call him before. So uh, so again, you know, my job is no matter who they are, is how do, how do we help them? And so so I think whether I, you know, get reelected uh, or elected, um, you know, or someone else comes in, I, I think Kansans need to, to hire the best person for this job. And, you know, do they understand banking? Do they understand uh, financial institutions? Can they work with them? Can they look at this legislation and say, okay, this is a better way to do it. This is the weakness of this kind of a, of a bill um, and, and how it impacts. And the partisan element of the bill was that instead of having the governor, could be a Republican or Democrat, right. picking a replacement, <clears throat> the idea would be that that vacancy would be in the hands of a Republican convention a meeting of, right. of republicans who yeah. presumably would go yeah. uh, pick a republican right it would uh, it'd be based on popularity <laughs> not necessarily competence so yeah uh so there's there's a there's a lot of discussion every legislative session about the kansas public employees retirement system mm-hmm. and and how we go about making certain those obligations are paid it's a lot of money that comes out of the state treasury every year uh for capers maybe 700 million dollar range Mm-hmm. And and I know you probably studied this when you were in the Senate, but <clears throat> there's the idea of maybe figuring out a way to reduce the annual payments from the state government into capers. Right. And uh, y- y- your thoughts about it's called reamortization. Reamortization. Yeah. So maybe just explain what it is and and offer your insights into that. You're well, on the you're on the board I, of trustees. I, I'm on the capers. board of trustees. Yeah. I yeah. really see myself as a watchdog for for capers. Uh, there's a lot. There's nine trustees altogether, and that's our job is to make sure that we do what's best for the beneficiaries. Capers spends uh, about 1.8 billion dollars a year back into beneficiaries. So, 
all that money goes into retirees. 90% of that money stays in Kansas. It goes to, to fund your neighbor's retirement, you know, who's a school teacher and those kinds of things. So it is very, very important. Uh, our assets are, are over $20 you know, billion. Uh, it's a major uh, organization that invests the money to make sure they get the maximum return. Um, it's been underfunded for a number of years, uh, and it goes back years and years. Uh, the, the, the current amortization schedule was started in the mid-90s, and it was supposed to end in 2033. It was a 40-year plan. Uh, and just explain, uh, the, you say underfunded. That means the contributions from the future retirees and the contributions from government didn't rise to the level that looking 25 years or so out, it was guaranteed to meet the obligations. Right. right? Exactly. And then, and really over the last 10 years, um, there have been about 15 different situations where the legislature didn't fund the full amount that was required. Last year was the first year in years that the full balance was paid uh, for the state contribution. Employees have always put in their contribution. The state hasn't always made match that, what they're supposed to. And that has been increasing. Again, on an amortization schedule, you pay more principal um, at the end of just like in your mortgage, you know, your first ones go to interest. Uh, this will, will be that case. And, um, and so uh, the governor has suggested that we re-amortize it. Because right now we're putting about $750 million of state contribution. Within uh, just a few years, that's going to be out of almost um, $1.1 billion. And it could possibly grow to more. Um, particularly if we don't make the kinds of earnings uh, that we make or have made the last two years. And, they, and the Capers has had some outstanding earnings the last two years because of, of the stock market and, and the investment strategy. That mm -hmm. doesn't always continue. Um, so we, at some point, are going to have to figure out uh, what can we afford, uh, because if we can't make the Capers payment, it'll revert back to the, to the Brownback years where oftentimes the school uh, funding amount wasn't paid. Um, you know, the, the amount. So the, all the retirees got their money. Right. But the amount of money required to be invested on an annual basis to meet those future obligations was not being met because they had other financial problems. Right, exactly. So so I think it's real important that we, uh, and that's one of the things that the board just came up with. Is they wrote a letter, not just to the governor, but to the legislators as well, the president of the Senate, the speaker, the minority uh, leaders in both houses, uh, to say we need a partnership between the governor the legislature and the capers board to do what's best for our beneficiaries we're at about 70 percent funded uh well on our way you know we're 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 up about 12 13 percent from just a few years ago which is good we're making that progress to full fully funded um uh, but we probably need to be in the 80 percent range is where we as a board feel in order to, to, to do the reamortization. Um, but I think there's, and there's some really good legislators that, that, and I've talked with some of them, you know, there's some ways we can ream besides, you know, stretching out the term, we can make level payments, we can, we can do a number of different things, but I think we have to make sure that we know what the legislature will do uh, for their commitment in the long term. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the other bills that are in front of the Senate right now, you know, Senate Bill 22, which is a, a tax cut of, you know, major proportions again, 
Um, that's going to affect uh, how much money they have that they can put into CAPERS or the education funding or, or any of those kinds of things. And Senate so, Bill 22 is maybe a $300 million a year plus right. uh, tax cut. Right, exactly. <clears throat> so it makes it harder to fund yeah. schools or to make the proper appropriations to CAPERS and so forth. Right, exactly. And, the, and you know, there's always major uh, major costs. You know, we've talked about that with, you know, the governor on, on the IT programs for a number of our agencies are 40 years old. You know, our unclaimed property um, uh, system is 15 years old. Um, it's something we need to get replaced as well. Those hmm. those aren't cheap. Those are things that, that and it, but if we don't do them, we see what the, the consequences are. Yeah, before we let you, let you go, Mr. Rogers. I, I thought perhaps we could discuss the uh, your your ideas about the mm, the educational acumen of of young Kansans in regard to financial affairs. Mm -hmm. um, are you impressed with people's uh, business savvy coming out of high school or college, or do you think there's a shortage there? Well, I one of the things that I'd like to see our office move into um, is how do we make uh, financial education. How do we make uh, financial decisions easier for people so that they understand? I've always found as in, in banking, people are very nervous uh, and uncomfortable about making financial decisions if they don't work in it every day. Um, you know, five to 10% to of our population is what's called unbanked. That means they don't have a checking account. Uh, I think in our younger uh, population, that's, that's uh, even smaller. Um, now there are some new gadgets on phones that let you do some of those things, but, but ultimately, you know, we need to have people that have, you know, retirement accounts, they have savings accounts, they've got interim, you know, uh, they need a five to six months of, of operating money, you know, in case they get unemployed. And, and it's tough right now to, to even be suggesting that because people are really struggling, you know, because of the unemployment situation. But, but I think we need to help people get on a financial uh, footing that's good, um, the office has done some stop starts and stops. We're hoping to put a major emphasis on it, um, you know, because people the pe things that people are concerned about is is saving for a home, saving for their kids' education, and saving for retirement. Um, you know, all of those things are things that we can be helping with in the state treasurer's office, and and being an advocate for them, um, helping our financial industry step up to make sure that they're serving their constituents and their their customers. Um, and making sure, because again, when, when people have those three assurances, um, they're going to be better employees, better family members, uh, you know, better citizens altogether, and, and it really will help us build our communities. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think we'll have to leave it there. Mr. Lynn Rogers, the state treasurer of Kansas, the former lieutenant governor, former state senator, former school board official. Uh, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank you.